Hallå så välkommen till Lisa plus Vina Alexant, en podcast om naturlig vin och människan bak. Är till Lisa Anes. Kära lyssnare Lisa plus Vina Alexant. Jag skriver bok och den heter Naturvin. Hvis du liker podden, tror jag du kommer till att lika boka också. Den finns på Arko Nordli och kan beställas på naturvinboka.no. På den nettsidan finner du också information om framtida vinkurs, boksigneringar och annager. Uansett, tusen tack nog en gång för att du hörer på. Här är Mons episode. Bara ta en testa. Ja. Hej. Hej. Kan du fortælle mig, hvad du spiste til frokost i morges? I dag har jeg faktisk ikke spist en eh, dritt frokost. Hæ? Jeg tog med en kanelbolle på fylde i går. Ah. <laughs> jeg tog med en kanelbolle. Jeg har glemt hvordan det var. Og en kop kaffe. Ja. Så det var ganske godt faktisk. Mm, ja. Digg. Ja. Du kan jo få noget vin senere da, så det hjælper på. Det er jo ikke det dummeste det. Nej. For at bara bistå med ett lokala är er det helt prima. Det är er, er er lyden. Lyden är er väldigt fin. Sure. Okay, we'll try. It has a very good isolation by the way. Yeah, but then you have the river outside. But um, sure it's fine. Dear listener, if you hear some white noise, it's just the massive amount of water flowing past the studio right now. Because we are recording this on the 10th of August, and we've just had the extreme weather, Hans. Uh, my uh, my uh, boyfriend, Hans Petri, is very happy with the name of the weather, by the way. Uh, Hans has been driving Oslo crazy with its wet weather and wind. And uh, the Akers Elva, the Aker River, is flowing past the studio and is very loud. But hopefully, dear listener, you will not be hearing it. Yes, we are yet again in another strange location for the podcast after my former studio burnt down. Yes, I'm going to say it again. Well, it didn't burn down, but it sounds cool. Can you smell that? It smells a bit smoky. My microphone smells like sausage. Yeah, but it's like, it's quite nice. Yeah. but that's From here, from this side. But that's this the smell is it, yeah. of the fire. <laughs> it's the smell of the fire. Hmm. And uh, with me today, smelling the microphone, I have Bianca Schmidt. And Bianca has Hello. been on the podcast before, but I can't quite remember when, and I haven't yeah. checked. Three and a half, four years ago? Yeah, early days of the podcast. Something pod. like this, yeah, yeah. Pandemic times on Zoom. Oh, yeah. Mm. Sitting in the kitchen, front of a laptop, yeah, trying to do our best, I remember. Yeah. Well, it was fun, though. I remember it being like a fun show to do. And also, you know, the reason I started the podcast was because I missed talking about wine during the lockdown. So no pandemic, no podcast. Exactly. Mm. Everything happens for a reason. Yeah. So thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you so much for being here. Bianca, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, for sure. So yeah, um, we are das uh, the winery das Weingut, Bianca und Dania Schmidt. Uh, yeah, we are two winemakers, me and my husband Daniel. Um, basically, we are the fourth generation continuing the property, and what we are doing started. 12 years ago so it means that we are going uh, going a path together with my husband um, and changed many many things um, what actually the previous uh, generations were doing so we are cultivating 20 hectares uh, after biodynamical principles uh, since 2012 we yeah so in 2012 we changed uh, the the or we converted the vineyards from organic to biodynamic and uh, yes i am hungarian i learned uh, as a winemaker in hungary met daniel 12 years ago 
and yeah, you know, just like it's meant to be. Mm. So it was quite cheering a couple of days after we met that we would love to do wine together forever. Yeah, and um, now today here we are. We have our seven half year old Alexander, our fifth generation, tiny little junior winemaker. Mm. Uh, yeah. We have a very good team in our winery, what we were actually working on since years. Um, we moved out from the old property building, which is great, because uh, we are based in Flersum Dalsheim, which is about just to just to place us, about like 60 kilometers southwest from Frankfurt. But it also means that we are in a tiny little village with about like 3,000 people. And in this tiny little village, we have like 50 wineries. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it means that everything built like uh, very near um, to each other. Um, you know, your neighbors left and right are winemakers or wineries with different philosophies. And um, I mean, it's great. You know, we are friendly people, so we have we have no argument with anyone. It's not about this, but it was important uh, fact for us that we wanted to move out to a neutral, clean space. Mm. There we can create a building around us like a bubble, which um, shows our charisma and philosophy for the people. And uh, this is, of course, also the place where we live because we wanted to live in our winery. That was our wish. So, yeah, everything is happening actually this year. The move and everything, yeah. The move and everything, yeah. Mm. And actually we are quite tight because... As you already mentioned, now today is the 10th of August. In a month, 10th of September, we want to start with the harvest. Uh, we need to be... So we did not even move to the new property building, so everything is just, like, standing ahead of us. But, you know, we are happy, we are healthy, uh, we are young, so there's a the time to do it. But I'm pretty sure if we have done it, I do not want to do it anytime. Yeah. Again, in my life. <laughs> yeah. Moving is never fun. And I can imagine moving a winery uh, as well as your home would not be great. How did you find the new property? Is it part of some family thing or is it completely free from anything? This is completely free from anything. And we built it. Oh, wow. It's completely new built. Everything after our logistics. So even more uh, stressful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, everything after our uh, our philosophy, our imagination. Wow. Um, yeah. You know, um, we created a, we created the whole, um, whole system of our property. And this system is based on our philosophy. Mm. So this property is based on this system. How are we actually working? Um, it's gonna be amazing, I guess, when we are when we like finished and moved in. But before, actually, what I really hate in life is time pressure. If I have a time pressure, then it's like uh, it's kills it kills my creativity. It kills my my intuition. So, uh, and we have time pressure now, and at the same time, we need to make many decisions. And uh, at the same time, I also, for example, need to be here. I mean, I'm happy to be here, but I'm pretty sure that I'm just not able to enjoy every moment as I actually would yeah. because of this kind of time pressure. But I'm not complaining. I'm happy that we can realize this. Just yeah. interesting, very interesting part of our life. And we discussed also before we hit record that like the logistics of running a business and having a family life and having a relationship and then you have to move and then there's harvest and then yeah. there's just um, modern life. There's just so many different layers and different things to think about all the time. You know, yeah. it's... Uh, I can't wait to be old. I'm just going to sit somewhere with a glass of wine and do nothing. Maybe make a podcast. <laughs> make another <laughs> podcast. Yeah. You're going to be there. Yeah. Nice. You're going to go. Yeah. I don't know. I. My only problem is that, uh, that I don't have the time at the moment to look around myself and enjoy the present. Mm. So I know that I'm going to enjoy this moment or this time period when it's over and I look back. Mm. So 
my intuition gonna be fed by my memories. But uh, yeah, as I mentioned, we we targeted um, we targeted uh, big goals, and the way to big goals it's never easy. Mm. It's long and can be stony. That's all. It's good. You're young. Let's do it now. Yes. Tell me a little bit uh, then about your latest vintage that we will actually be tasting today. All of it. Lucky yeah. me. Um, so uh-huh. this episode will be out in October and then everything should be at the Wine Monopoly as well. So dear listener, if anything sounds amazing, uh, go ahead and buy it. And I'll also um, put the list of the wines that we tasted in the show notes so you can check it out there. Um, so this is, it's a mix, uh, some 2022 and some older. Uh, exactly. We have also some older vintages now here to mm. taste, um, because I guess for some, for some wines, um, aging and aging potential is, is good, especially, I think there is like a kind of bad rumor about uh, low intervention wines in the world that people think that if you have a bottle of low intervention wine or natural wine in the hand, then you need to drink it fast. Actually, it has aging potential. For sure. I've been wondering, I'm not sure if this is a correct theory, but I have this theory. A lot of people think that you cannot age natural wines. Yeah. But then natural wine has gained this reputation also for being only fruit-driven, light, easy-drinking, glue-glue-style wines. And they can age, but they're not always necessarily made for aging. But if you think that natural wine is only this, then it's like, oh, you can't age it. But then, obviously, natural wine can taste like anything. And you can age it, and there's different styles, and... Exactly, and if we just like want to talk a bit about this word "natural wine," mm-hmm. then we really need to realize that it covers a huge amount of information and many, many different properties, philosophies, philosophies of properties. Those are existing since generations, so we cannot just say like, put a stamp on something. Mm-hmm. To be honest, um, it's also infor- important information that from the seventies, um, especially actually from Germany. It came. No, let's go back. Let's go back ten years, fifteen years. So, like, around fifties, sixties, um, the modernization of the chemistry caused actually that after the Second World War, people were starving. There was like no food. So, you know. Chemistry and like all the smart heads need to create something what you can actually put into your soul, soil, sorry, that um, that it gives you a higher amount of uh, higher, higher amount of food at the end. So this is what we call artificial fertilizer. Um, the fact is with that that all those nice uh, artificial fertilizers came out so it was actually a huge amount of nitrogen what was not caused in the soil that was added so that was like a very fragile situation which was also very successful in the beginning so that mentioned okay if we can do it with the soil then we can also do it in the wine like in the wine making in the enologic so all those smart heads again created like a um, huge amount of uh, uh, different materials how how which actually helped for the winemakers to make a wine from a crap material <laughs> because we because of course outside in the vineyard everything was um was grounded on um on those kind of those kind of artificial fertilizers. So that means as well, at the end, what comes in quality-wise into the cellar, this is not that good. So you need, again, additional materials or additional, like, kind of little helpers to fix those problems that at the end, what you want to call as a wine, it's going to taste as a wine. So what we call today as a natural wine is just organic or biodynamic formed grapes made wine out of it without 
any added yeast without any um, additional help, like for example, a filtration or refining. So if you just think about this, what we call natural wine today, about 100 years ago, that was the only way how people actually could deal outside in their farm and could vinify their vines. So this is nothing new. This is nothing fancy and nothing trendy. Of course, to to convey the whole uh, philosophy, what is actually happening back behind, we need to kind of create a trend, trend of it and also um, surf on this wave. Because this is the only way to get to the people, get to the consumers and also change their mind. I mean, you know, we don't actually want to change anyone's mind. More yeah, about I do. I do. You do. Yeah, it's good. I can say that I do. I mean... <laughs> I'm a natural wine journalist, of course. I want to change people's minds. Of course. And this is like your job and you do it amazing. I'm a farmer at the end. So just like we're just like doing and working after our philosophy, which is great. Um, yeah, but definitely like we with other winemakers, farmers are very good examples. That is a, actually a way to do it different and also a natural wine doesn't need to be funky doesn't need to be crazy stinky super cloudy etc 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 it can actually can be settled look like a filtered wine it can be elegant can be typical for the variety itself and must actually show where the grapes coming from simple so at the end what is it a wine i 100 percent agree um I had Milan Nesterich on the podcast yeah. in spring, and he is, insists now on calling his wines normal wine instead mm. of natural wine, yeah. which I agree. Although selling it is kind of hard, mm. um, which is why I feel like the term natural wine, it's well, difficult, and I kind of mm. hate it. But at the same time, it is the word that we have now. But it's so... Mm, every time I say it, I'm always like, how is it going to land like with a winemaker or yeah. with a restaurant or, you know, your importer does not use the word natural wine or naturvin in Norwegian in any of their, um, like on their website, on their Instagram, in the newsletter, nowhere. Yeah. Even though that is what they have, but they don't like being affiliated with the word. Yeah. So it's become a difficult thing. Completely agree. Yeah. You know, it's uh, everything is in a dynamic and dynamical movement. Mm. And uh, now we are actually in this station that this this kind of way of uh, winemaking getting established. I guess it's normal that slowly also the consumers gonna gonna get that experienced that they gonna just call it as well as a wine. Of course, now when you want to communicate it to someone, you need to kind of add, add the name or call it somehow that the person uh, immediately in five seconds understands what you're actually talking about, for sure. But this time gonna gonna be gone. Yeah, I hope so. Gonna and be normal. with regards to like the taste and you know natural wines tasting more clean and definitely showing the grape variety and the terroir more i feel this is also like a pendulum thing swinging and five six seven years ago we were more like oh it, it has to be as crazy as possible and cloudy and funky and uh and then now or at least i have felt the consumer were more in that direction and then now people are the pendulum is swinging back and people are more into you know cleaner styles uh, even degorged pet nuts and you know everything should be like hallelujah yeah finally <laughs> it's going it's going back and forth though it's so interesting but i bet in 20 years we'll be back at super duper funky again and then it's going to go back and forth and back and forth well I don't know how it's how it's gonna be, um, but I think an important important fact is that uh, you know there is a piece of the cake for everyone. Mm-hmm. True. So like, you know, every winemaker should just keep their own philosophy and not um, act after the requests of the market. Mm. 
it's an important fact uh, because if you have an own farm and if you have an own winery, so it means um, also that you can really work after your own philosophy, after your own creativity, and this is pure freedom. So if you can enjoy this pure, pure freedom, that means that you are also able to, to stay on your way and work after your own philosophy. And this is, this is perfect. So actually, you don't need to put yourself under pressure, um, pressure of the market, because there will be always a consumer who like settled, elegant wines, and there will be always a consumer who wants some crazy stuff. And it's okay. Yeah. There's our diversity. And then in, you're allowed to change too, I think it's important. Because again, speaking of Milan though, mm. his wines used to be, and some of them still are, very adventurous. But then mm. with the white label range that is out now, it's I've recommended it to, you know, older women who are looking for a nice glass of wine. Yeah. And they love it. And that would not happen with his wines from the 2017 vintage, for example. And I think um, it's nice to see. And I feel also winemakers such as yourself, you have different, which we'll get into the wines in a second, but you have different lines of your wine. And I feel like within that, you're allowed to explore like the outer limits of this style or this like direction of your wine. That is at least how I uh, experience it as a consumer and as a person who has mm. been selling your wines uh, in bars. Um, but I don't know if that is the right. That's how I feel that you um, that you are working creatively with the different ranges. Does that sound? Hmm. It's interesting that it's kind of that you. Yeah, that it leaves this leaves this kind of impression in you, mm. because to be honest, I never talked about this. It I feels mean, like you're a musician, and then you have de- several bands, and one band is a salsa band, and one band is a rock band, and one band is a gospel church band, <laughs> and then and then with the salsa band, you only make salsa music, but you can make different kinds of salsa music as long as you stay within the. Do you, do you get where I'm at? So I feel like the FKK series is yeah. its own. That's the salsa band, maybe. And then with the voodoo doll and um, pony, that's another. That's maybe the rock <laughs> band where, where it's like you, okay. you are free to explore. Or that's how I, when I, every time mm-hmm. I get a, sorry, this is like a long philosophical discussion about how I perceive your wines. But every time I see your new Vintage, and I see the wines that you're coming. I'm like, okay, so this, this is in this, this is the salsa one, and this is the rock one, and I'm curious what this year's salsa record is gonna be. Okay, yeah, it's uh, interesting uh, that you. um, I mean, you know, there's like always a way to understand the products, and always a way to understand the wines. Mm. For me, I mean, maybe I say it like this because. I would be a horrible sommelier, I guess. I would be a very, very <laughs> bad sommelier. Because if I taste the wine, for me, blind, I can I can arrange the variety to guess, but I can actually describe how it was made. I can describe the analytics. I can describe all the, like, the level of the acidity, the level of the residual sugar, if there is something, the level of the alcohol. But I could never convey it to something else in this case even that actually I talked I'm a creative person but maybe because I'm a bit I'm a bit wine blind in this case I guess so I like really think about okay if it's a Riesling that needs to taste like this for me this is my philosophy about a Riesling and for me the Riesling needs to be like typical for the variety you should taste the minerality where it comes from should have a sharp but elegant acidity I should be clean. So, very analytical. <laughs> and like, uh, uh, yeah, but I'm very happy that actually our wines at the end with the taste, with their, with their charisma, they open up your, um, they open up your creativity in this case and you link them to bands. I mean, it's great. 
So, uh, yeah, basically the Freiker Percoto wines are um, our entry-level wines. That means in this case, it doesn't mean, I mean, okay, it doesn't mean that the quality is like lower or something like this. No, the quality is like something what we always give. It doesn't matter if, if the bottle is in our entry-level line or it's uh, the most advanced uh, range of the portfolio. Because the quality, what we, what we, what we bring is always the same. I mean, it's a sophisticated work what we are doing and and that's all. I think there's like not, not more to talk about it. So, yeah, basically the entry-level wines are something uncomplicated, talked as something uncomplicated. When, you know, you drink, you, you sit in a bar, you meet your friends and then you just like want to have a nice glass of wine. Mm. You don't want to talk about the variety. You actually want to com- continue the conversation with your friend. You don't want to get disturbed to guessing like, okay, why is it so weird? Do I need to give some air? It should just be a nice wine, uncomplicated, which is actually accompanying your your talk. Mm. So basically what is actually a specialty of the Freiker Perkutu line that the all of them are blends. So we have no single variety in the Freiker Perkutur wines and all the wines are based on local varieties, like special local Rheinhessen varieties. It's funny because we export to 40 different countries now and when I, I just like describe in a broad the, the, the varieties, like for example, when I say, okay, this is Freiker Perkutur Weiss, made of Huxerebe, Scheurebe, Ortega, Septima, people get like big eyes, you know, want me to repeat it, even that I know that the, you guys don't know the varieties. And, you know, at the end, actually it makes me quite proud because we work with those varieties. Some of them, for example, Septima, there's like still zero point, no, it's like 1.25 hectare in total in whole Germany. Wow. And from, and from this, we have about like one third. Um, I mean, generally, of course, all of those varieties have their, have their um, own aromatic and taste. So just like shortly, for example, Huxerebe, if you would vinify it single, can give you a aromatic of passion fruit. Scheurebe uh, is more keen to be, um, uh, has, has a higher acidity, can have a, a citrus note in the aromatic. And all those like Ortega, Septima, actually those are like the varieties which were uh, used you know, a huge amount in the 70s, 80s. Maybe some of you have heard about Lifrauermilch. <laughs> Infamous. Yep. Mm. So, but that means, of course, also at the same time that our wines are very old. So it gives us the benefit that we have a good developed and deep root system. Yeah. So, but basically those are the Freiker Perkutur wines. And then of course, uh, we have the, the single variety and single variety, single parcel, uh, vineyard. So we have, for example, a totally normal estate Riesling. I mean, mm. in general in Germany, in German wineries, you can actually find estate Rieslings or generally estate cuvées mm. and stuff like this. And even that we talk about the low intervention wine, this is actually a settled, um, settled and and nice elegant drizzling by the way i can also maybe just like serve you a sip yes please i'm looking at all that wine down there oh <laughs> this is the one without the label i was like ooh, exciting yeah. so yeah, this is so your estate riesling yeah this is our new estate riesling um which we actually made for the norwegian market you did yeah Special norwegian wine guys listen up yeah it's gonna called Midnight. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Because Norway is the land of the Midnight Sun. It is. And it's also the land that loves Riesling. Yeah. Yeah. So it's much is perfectly. Mm. And I mean, if you just like see, because of course, dear listeners, you listen and don't see. 
<laughs> but uh, Liz has a big glass in her hand. A very big glass. And Thank you, Marius. <laughs> <laughs> and also, uh, of course, this big glass uh, show, shows the wine quite nicely. So even that we talk about a low intervention wine, the wine is clear, the wine is settled. Um, I mean, I guess you are better in to describe a wine so I can just like maybe say what we did and then you can like describe it what yeah. you feel but uh, basically it's a direct press Riesling of course everything is hand-picked after picking the grapes we direct press them and um, yeah aged and fermented in 5,000 liter oak barrels mm. and it's super refreshing it's my first thought because we're recording at a small little bit warm studio oh, yeah, uh, yeah. So this is just what I needed. Super, super lovely, super bright and lively acidity. And it's also surprisingly aromatic, actually. At least today, it feels very open. And uh, I don't know if it's a good day for drinking wine, according to the biodynamic calendar, but it feels like flower day. I haven't checked. It is a good day. Yeah? It of course it day. is. Yeah. <laughs> because when you are here, it's always a good day. It's <laughs> so amazing that we're getting a, a Riesling for Norwegian market. I feel honored. One of the, did you say 40 countries? Yeah. My God. So you're all over Asia and... Yeah. So everywhere. like some some very exotic, uh, exotic countries, like for example, Philippines, Taiwan, mm. Thailand. Have you been to visit? To be honest, uh, on the 30th of August... I fly to Manila, wow. to the Philippines, yeah. Gonna hold masterclass for uh, professionals, customers of our importer. And um, I felt so honored because today I just had a phone call with them and he was saying like, hey, Bianca, we are really like organizing everything. You are the first winemaker from our portfolio coming here. People are like so excited. I was like, wow, like, thank you. So cool though. It feels amazing. After I'm going to continue the journey to Singapore and uh, yeah, then going to fly home because we are harvesting and moving. But yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing. To be honest, there are markets, those are like overfold with winemakers, uh, mm. um, importers. For example, in the States, if you fly to New York, you know, you're just like in. And how people actually like, uh, like, uh, um, you know, get getting to you is kind of yeah. We have in we have we have a winemaker from Europe every week here in town, so it's like nothing special for mm. them, which feels a bit weird, because because you go there with the open happy heart, and you feel like oh yeah, you know, you are you are like a Pokemon card. You have maybe score, like. 230 but we had a winemaker with 460 last week so it's like <laughs> eh thank you for the Pokemon analogy oh that <laughs> puts a smile in my heart I wonder what Pokemon you are I feel like you're a water Pokemon are you a water sign? no earth ah you feel you feel watery maybe it's the river uh, effect maybe it's because of my ascendant Ah, yeah. you see, I read the sentence too. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, but uh, so actually, yeah, what Are I wanted Taurus? to say. Hmm? Are you Taurus? Yes. Ah, well, that's pretty good. <laughs> you put, because my son is a Taurus. I know, this is actually what I was just like asking today from your husband, because the birthday is like the 20s, right? So I was like not sure if it's just like, it's still a Taurus or, or a Gemini. Mm -hmm. It's still a Taurus. Yeah, because I'm, I'm a Gemini. Yeah, Daniel um, as well. But the Tauruses are like, I, I feel like he's such a Taurus already. And then now knowing you're on Earth side, it's like, yes, of course you're a Taurus. Makes total sense. <laughs> uh, dear listener, if you're not interested in astrology and wine, why are you listening to this podcast? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's me. Uh, oh my god, I could do a whole, I could do a whole episode on just like um, horoscopes and wine. Yeah, you could actually like, for example, make a calendar just with horoscopes and wine makers. Oh my that's god! <laughs> that should be that would be so cool. Yeah. That would be like the Christmas gift of the year. I can make it and sell it to 
you know, get myself money for a new studio. Ka-ching! Ka-ching! Um, yeah, so uh, export, import, yes. wine, ta-da-da. Yeah, so the thing is, well, I actually just wanted to say that we are super thankful for all those people. Because, you know, um, there are like many winemakers who work after similar philosophy like us. Uh, that they, for example, do not want to travel or they don't like to travel or maybe they cannot afford to travel. Um, what we are doing with our whole traveling is actually the advertisement for all of us, not just for Schmidt. It's for all of us. Mm. Also for all those winemakers, we are conveying the philosophy of the group of those winemakers. And uh, I'm proud of it. So when I'm, for example, I'm in the Philippines and I'm doing a two hours tasting and talk about um, wines, I also talk about philosophy and history and the generally uh, like development of uh, of this uh, important cultural point. Mm. Yeah, which speaks for all of us. It's important. Exactly. And going back to what I said earlier about me wanting to force people to drink natural wine, I take force. it back. <laughs> okay, I still do a bit. But um, I think also when you don't know what the wine industry really looks like and then somebody tells you what is actually in wine and that there is another wine which is just made from grapes it's more about informing people than anything else you know and then people can make their own make up their own mind but uh, sure. my experience is very much that when people are informed they will make the decision to go towards natural or normal or low intervention call it what you may wines because it's 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 logical yeah mm. but i think this is like uh this is also a uh, a constantly movement and the whole world is changing i mean the good thing is that that nowadays for example in farming or regarding what we eat and what we drink an organic quality organic philosophy back behind is like normal mm. I would say like 20 years ago that was like something special and then you know um, all those farmers oh yeah they are hippies hmm um, even more more back before in the time generally what I just wanted to say with this that um, it's not just only happening actually in in the wine world. It's happening around us, happening in in fashion. It's happening, you know, like everyone wants to get sustainable. I mean, we all we need to really change our minds and how we live. Mm. We need to really think about um, after what we leave actually here after we died, because we're gonna die. But uh, the world shouldn't. Because it's constantly moving. Mm. So this is like something, you know, think about our responsibility in this kind of timeline, what we call, what we individually can call our own timeline of life. Like, this is a huge responsibility to behave in your life on this way that you can, that you, you know, you can like pass away with a good feeling, kind of, that, okay, I did my best. So kind of, I was like, sustainable. Mm. <laughs> and yeah, that's a fact. So this is happening everywhere. And I think the wine world uh, is, a, is, a, is a good, uh, good uh, generator to it because wine brings people together. We talk about wine. It's a cultural thing. Of course, it's a luxury product, but, but uh, you know, it's also for sophisticated people who can actually like move a lot in the world they also drink wine yeah and they really want to know about the philosophy that's the point yeah. mm. true as much as I would love to discuss wine philosophy all day we also need to have another look at the wines that you are releasing at the wine monopoly these days where should we where should we continue yeah I would recommend to continue with something uncomplicated right. again that we can just like close up with the uncomplicated stuff and go to the complicated ones 
Oh, so, yes. The uh, most famous wine in Norway, yeah, maybe. Freikörperkultur, the free body culture. So here we have the Freikörperkultur. It smells so good. Rosie. Oh, my God. I haven't... Is this the 2022? This is 21 and 22. Twenty. Oh, uh-huh. crazy. Yeah, so I, the thing I haven't is, this. Yeah, the thing is we actually wanted to combine the benefits of the two vintages. And two vintages were very different. Like 21 had a developed uh, aromatic, but was low in acidity. Mm. 22 was actually exactly the opposite. It's super aromatic, though. And the thing is that um, if we, I mean, you know, this is like one of our uh, entry-level wines. So that means as well, it's bottled in a one-liter bottle and you can just like, put it on the table. People can share it. It's amazing. It's amazing. But it's also like it's many, many places. And thank you so much for the gastronomical scene here. Many places took the wine as their house wine, mm. which is great. But it also means that the consumers, you know, local, like, go there and, like, enjoy the wine, like, the whole year long. And then once we change the vintage, and then it tastes different, which is, of course, it's it's normal that it's going to taste different. But if we have the opportunity to combine benefits of two vintages, then why not? And then we actually cover almost, like, the same style for two years. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was the idea. And... Uh, we found it actually nice, um, especially because, you know, we bottle many kegs from it. I mean, the kegs from it. So this kind of 20 liter um, barrels. Yeah, tea keg, wine on tap. Exactly, thank mm. you, wine on tap. Um, yeah, so it's like just makes sense to work with on this way. Here we also used um, local um, but red varieties because earlier I was talking about the Freikorperkotu Weiss with the weird local German names. And then we have here uh, local red varieties which called Dornfelder and Portugieser. Basically they are direct pressed, so we didn't do anything. uh, Oh, they're direct pressed? Wow, because it's quite a dark rosé. And the reason is because if you direct press Dornfelder, it's like dark. It almost mm. looks like it looks like a red wine when you direct press it. When you direct press Portugieser, even that it's a red variety, it looks like if you would direct press a Pinot Noir. So it's like a Blonde Noir. So it's white. Mm. <laughs> so actually, if you combine it, that's the result of it. I mean, I know that you say it's a simple wine, and uh, as it not complicated, but it's. The smell, like it, it. Okay, I guess I'm damaged from working in wine, but I wouldn't just have this. I wouldn't just get a glass of this and just not be able to talk about it because it smells amazing. Like for Norwegian listeners, it smells like Brunhild Springebadrops, which is a certain kind of uh, like a raspberry candy. Okay. Like hard uh, candy that you suck on when your throat is sore, and it smells like that, like childhood memories. So nice. So beautiful. Yeah, I mean. The color is like a, like a raspberry. Mm. Yeah. It's like a sorbet. Yeah. It does have that juicy like sorbet. It's definitely a... Um, I mean, I, I, I drink rosé all year, but <laughs> chugging this on the beach and with a screw top as well, it's perfect. Yeah. And 10.5% alcohol for me with this sm- relatively small baby still. Easy it's, to uh, digest. Yes. <laughs> I don't have the stamina that I used to have anymore. So for me, drinking anything above like 12%, I'm like... <gasps> yeah, like, whoa. Mm. I know. Mm. Yeah. Moving into slightly more complicated ter- ter- territory. That was only 10 point. See, I can't even talk. 10.5% <laughs> ABV. Could you imagine what 15 would do to me? Uh, this... Is Chardonnay, right? Yeah. We used to work with this at Isaias. Feminine. Yeah. yeah, I just I just served you our feminine. So this is a hundred percent Chardonnay. Mm. Belongs to our more like advanced part of our portfolio. What vintage is this? This is 2021. Mm. And uh, here we have here we have over 35 years old wines. In the beautiful Goldberg in Florissant, 
this is a lower elevation of Goldberg. Um, so here we have, of course, a high amount of limestone, but with a clay cover. So clay has the benefits. It holds water longer for the roots. Um, there's a reason we do not really actually need to harvest it that early. Harvest time was about like end of September. Mm. Two days maceration. So this is not an orange wine. Is that another <laughs> thing you slightly dislike a little bit? I super dislike it. Okay, I wasn't yeah. going to say hate, but <laughs> you kind of said that. Yeah. yeah, it's not an orange wine. It's a skim macerated wine, so we can also call it like this. But I mean, generally, the method of skim maceration is like so normal. It's It was always normal because we need some tannic, we need some aromatic for the stability, for enjoying... We also want to bring it into the into to increase aging potential. I mean, it makes totally sense. What do you think? Like, why can you? Why do you have the opportunity to keep a red wine for years? Because of the skin contact. Because through the skin contact, you have enough tannic, you have enough phenolic, which gives you aging potential. Mm. So that's the fact. The only thing is what you need to learn with white varieties like. The, the term and, and the length of, uh, of the, the maceration time. I mean, we talk about the Chardonnay. It should be elegant. Chardonnay is a feminine, elegant variety. If you leave it too long on the skins, it's going to get bitter. You lose, uh, you lose acidity. So everything what you actually want to have at the end, you want to have balance, you want to have elegance, get lost. So don't do it. So what we do in this case, only two days. I mean, it's enough for us. We also do not even wait till the alcoholic fermentation starts on skins. Then we press it, but we only take the first two-thirds of the juice. The last one-third goes to the Freiko Perkutu Weiss. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I didn't know there was shardy in the FKK Weiss. Yeah, it's just, huh. you know, in total, it's like... What do we have from this total? We have maybe 900 liter. The last press fraction is like maybe 150 liter. So we do 30,000 liter of FKK wise. Mm. So this uh, 150 liter, it's uh, it's Nothing. in and gone. Yeah, <laughs> a drop in the ocean. Exactly, it's a drop in the ocean. The name feminine does it then come from the the personality of the Chardonnay? Yes. Mm. Because yeah. I always also felt that this um, the name of the wine just explains it, uh, and this wine I have sold to so at the size so many tables that are looking for a classical like even Burgundy yeah. uh, style white wines you know or they want Chablis or they've learned some of these fancy names for white wines and I'm like this is not that kind of wine bar but <laughs> try this and everybody <laughs> loves it it's yeah. so elegant yeah speaking of how natural wine normal wine uh, yes it should, th- th- this ah, is yes, so sir. elegant it doesn't have to be weird you yeah. know such a beautiful wine and also this vintage I haven't tasted before yeah um, I think with vintage 21 I actually got there what I wanted to get simple but yeah. you know we have also nice old wines and um, we changed with Daniel the pruning system in this vineyard in 2000, since 2014 already. Mm. That means uh, the yield got reduced automatically and through gentle pruning, because it's a big word now, gentle pruning. <laughs> it's a big word now nowadays, but actually it is like the most logical way of prune a wine because you should not do big cuts, you should not hurt the plant because it costs too much energy for the plant to close all the ones and they recover itself. So all this energy is actually minerality and extract what you lose from your grapes at the end. Mm. It's very simple. Mm. So if you save it, then to uh, gentle pruning, <laughs> orange wine, natural wine, gentle pruning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you've got you're ticking all the boxes. You're such a cool winemaker. Oh my god, you need to go to New York. Oh, yeah, please. Yeah. <laughs> That's where all the cool winemakers are. All the cool winemakers go to New York, <laughs> yeah, and hanging out and out and in and out and in and out. Yeah, so what I actually wanted to say at the end, just to be serious, stay serious, 
that um, we can we can uh, increase the estimated time or or life of the of those plants mm. because before the time uh, for example in Rheinhessen because Rheinhessen was famous of uh, big production and uh, low quality bulk wines so it means as well people were planting a vineyard for 13 15 years maximum and then they changed it mm. um and we are planting a vineyard for a whole life so of course we also need to behave after this that we can keep our vineyards for a whole life yeah and, stay and staying on a serious note with the serious wine <coughs> with the unserious label yes it what's the story with the labels because it is it is similar to the wild pony label yeah so, so in um, my mind this is your crazy experimental band mm. where you where you do something a bit out of the ordinary. I mean, I must also say, Wild Pony was such a hype here in Oslo. Everybody loved it. Yeah, because they like the label. And <laughs> they like the wine. Yeah, for sure. Cheers mm. to that. And this is on the floor. Yeah, so mm -hmm. basically um, the similarity uh, or yeah, the reason of why we have a different label here because this black uh, background reminds to a blackboard and the white drawing on it and the white letters remind on if you would write on a blackboard with a white chalk so you know the surface when you bit push the chalk on the blackboard a bit more stronger and then you really get kind of a 3D that it's almost like you know falling apart and falling down to the ground mm -hmm. like it crumbles the chalk, yeah? yeah crumbles beautiful word thank you so yeah the thing is that this surface actually reminds um, on the surface of the floor yeast on the top on the wine so that was the connection that was my idea that was the reason why I wanted to do it this way and yeah this is how white pony and voodoo doll actually instead uh, yeah basically as I mentioned before I am Hungarian so uh, we are not trying to do a Jura wine uh, how actually I got already many questions like why do you guys work with Floris because it's not known in Rheinhessen for sure it's not in Rheinhessen what is known if you have a floor if you have already a florist on the top then just uh, yeah yeah it's a trash mm. yeah. just nuke it and get exactly it yeah you should not make a wine from it so um, yeah in Hungary in the Tokoyer wine region we have a wine which is called Samorodny. And this wine made under floor yeast traditionally. So this is actually what I learned in the school. I was always keen to do it and wanted to try it out. And voila, if you have an own winery, then let's try it. And uh, basically there are like some additional information what you like need to really take care of. Like for example, you should mainly have a variety which has uh, higher acidity, so a lower pH. You should have a variety which has a nice uh, ripeness because you need some um, some tannic phenolic for the microoxidation, so the wine can protect itself. And at the end, you have like a nice bright color, even that you do a very oxidative vinification. So you should maybe not do it with the Müller Togo. I would not recommend it. But, for example, a Riesling, because this is, Voodoo Doll is a Riesling, 100% mm. Riesling, is perfect for it. Because you have a thicker skin, you have the amount of phenolic, you have the acidity, and you can also do a bit of skin contact, what we have done here as well. So we have two days maceration and uh, 15 months in 600 liter oak barrel from this, the last six months under floor yeast. Wow. So the reason is of this time, yeah, why, why do we not do it just in one year? Mm. It takes time. So you have an alcoholic fermentation first. Then CO2 is a side product of the alcoholic fermentation, but it needs to go out because malolactic fermentation needs to happen as well before we start with other, etc. like, for example, floor yeast. Mm. So... To, for the malolactic fermentation, because malolactic fermentation instead through bacteria, alcoholic fermentation is yeast. Malolactic fermentation, bacteria. 
Bacteria need oxygen as well, so as long you have some leftover CO2 from the alcoholic fermentation, there is not enough oxygen for the bacteria of the malolactic fermentation. So you need to stir the lees again and bring out like all the leftover CO2, bring in oxygen at the same time malolactic fermentation happened. Then we have again as a leftover uh, product CO2. We need to get it out again from the wine. So yeah, stir the lees. And then after this is settled, CO2 is out. All the processes are done. We are on the safe side. And then the last very important thing, what we need is humidity in the cellar. So what we do basically, if, the, if, there's a, if, the, if there is too dry for us, we rinse the wall and we rinse the barrels with water and the humidity goes high, we close the doors and then floor is inset. So then we have about like minimum six months floor yeast aging. And then it's bottled. Simple. Amazing. Well, well no, not so simple, <laughs> but delicious. And what uh, vintage of grapes is this one? I'm just so curious about the vintages because when I was pregnant and then had a baby, I missed. I'm, I've, I'm, I'm out of the loop. I can't remember what I've tasted. Sorry. You are. You are again under the loop. It's 21. 21. Yeah. This is the new one. Describes for me actually the vintage. Ooh, wow. Salty. The acidity, yeah. Acidity and salt combination is amazing. Mm. These are a terroir. So I nice. love it. I remember when I met Daniel 12 so years ago. Thank you. Mm. The saltiness of the wines. I remember when I tasted the wines around us and tasted the wines from from him and from his parents 12 years ago. My first impression was, wow, the wines are, the wines are salty. Like, how can it be? Mm. And uh, I, I told it to my friends in Hungary and they were like, what? The wine cannot be salty. It cannot taste salty. I was like, yes, the wines here are salty mm. and I love it. And um, yeah, I just feel so lucky and honored that I have the opportunity to work with all those salty wines <laughs> now. It's so delicious. <laughs> and I feel like, so as you can hear, my approach to describing wines is not as analytical as yours. I'm more of a, a creative, um, I get more creative visions of the wine. And the first thing that comes to mind with this acidity and the preciseness and the directness of the wine is like when you throw a, like a ninja star. Mm. And it goes woo, 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 and hits the mark like it's pow. It's Amazing. so like straightforward. It's like yeah. woo, delicious, precise. I had it the knows whole what it wants. It knows who it is. You know, I it's had like the whole film in this my is mind me. Now. Thank you. It's amazing. I mean, of course, I can describe it. It's serious Riesling. It's a single parcel. Comes from Goldberg, but from a upper side, by the way. So Goldberg is next to Frauenberg and also situated in Flörsum Dalsheim, where we are at home. There we have a high amount of uh, limestone and quartz in the soil. So basically it's a calcareous soil with a lust coat. And in this first 80 centimeter lust layer, we have a high amount of uh, quartz, mm. which is amazing. Berg crystal. Yeah, very crystal. Yeah. And you can really taste that in the wine too, which I think it's that's where it gets its focus from a little bit, you know, with the, 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 the flintiness and the yeah. hardness and the firmness. It's really lovely. And uh, and again, like, you know, dear listener, if you're listening and want a wine to present to maybe your uncle who has a big cellar full of classical <laughs> wine and you want to impress, bring this wine. It's going to go home. Like that ninja star. It's just going to go straight. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we need to wrap up. Um, because yeah. you need to get to a dinner with my boyfriend, actually. And I need to go home and put my baby to bed. Such yeah. is the life. But thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me and inviting me. It was my pleasure again. Look forward to do it next time. Maybe next time we're going to have finally a 
some luck and can bring Daniel as well. That would be amazing. Yeah, because he's existing. Many people are like <laughs> thinking It's your make-believe boyfriend. Exactly. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, she says she has a boyfriend in, back in Germany. Uh, <laughs> you know, they're married. They're, they have a baby. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's real. I've seen him in pictures, so I know he's real. <laughs> Oh my god. Okay, well, thank you so much, Bianca Schmidt of Bianca Schmidt Wineries. Oh, was it Bianca and Daniel? Hmm, I can't remember. Thank you so much for coming. And thank you so much my for bringing pleasure. your beautiful wines. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers to that. Som alltid, tusen takk til mine fantastiske gjester. Tusen takk til Marius Vabo som har laget logoen til podcasten og Hans Andreas Låke som har laget musikken. Har du lyst til å lære enda mer om naturvin? Hvis du blir medlem og betaler 30 kroner i måneden, så får du tilgang til alt bonusmateriale. Lær mer på shows.acast.com slash lisevinsand.